Welcome to Photo Geek Weekly, episode 112, recorded on June 26th of 2020. Uh, the show where I'm your host, Don Kamarechka, and I like to geek out about photo stuff. And we have uh, usually a guest on in the co-pilot seat that is equally enamored with photo geekery, and that is no exception this week. Um, it's a new voice, and so I have to give a bit of an introduction here. A man that I should be in person with, like next month in California, doing some really fun stuff. Um, but that's not going to happen, at least not right now, not this year. Uh, so I'm dismayed by that, but I can still have wonderful conversations with Aunt Pruitt. Aunt, how you doing, man? Man, I am unbelievable, Mr. Don. But you know, you're, you're so right. We were supposed to have been hooking up here pretty pretty soon, but... There's something going on around this planet. I think it's called a pandemic or something like that. Something like that. It's closed the borders. It's kept us inside. I have been losing my sanity um, one day at a time. Uh, sometimes the days blur together, so I don't know how much of my sanity I've lost. But um, like the other day, uh, Father's Day, actually, so June 21st, uh, my wife was uh, you know, working on a painting. She does amazing abstract oil paints, and she was adamant that she wanted to finish this one painting. And my daughter was there with her painting something on the floor, you know, just with fingers and whatever else, but with oil paint. And so my wife is concentrating on her work for, I don't know if it was 30 seconds or three minutes, but it wasn't a lot of time mm -hmm. before my daughter was covered uh, head to toe. I mean, like in between the toenails uh, <laughs> and, and toes and, and her face and her hair with blue oil paint. And that was my Father's Day gift to clean oh, that mess man. up. That was, that was fun. That was a very memorable Father's Day. <laughs> She was trying to get into some sort of uh, augmented reality roles, what it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Or become the newest member Chroma of the Blue Man group or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? It was, uh, it was, uh, it was entertaining, uh, time consuming, but I, I look back on that moment fondly. Uh, you've got kids too, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. My boys are, are old. I have one out in the U.S. Army. Uh, then I have two more that are here. One's a rising high school senior and the other one is a rising high school freshman. So in other words, I never see them because they don't want to bother me and, and I'm not cool enough to hang out with them until it's well, time to eat. Uh, then I really should embrace the attention that a four-year-old wants from me right now because I know that's not going to last forever. Oh, yeah, it's going to go away quickly. <laughs> Especially as teenage <laughs> angst uh, sets in, which I do not envy any parent dealing with children of that age group right now in a <laughs> pandemic. But hey, we're here to talk about photo stuff. And uh, I know you've got a show on the uh, This Week in Tech Network. So why don't you give us an elevator pitch about that and where photography fits in your life? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm the host on on uh, at Twit TV. My show is called Hands On Photography, and it is a show that I designed to be for the absolute beginner to help them get started with photography, but also allow the people that are seasoned veterans to just sort of have a refresher course every now and then on how to do this, how to do that, whether it's a shot and framing or with post processing. And in terms of post processing, I love watching other people work. Because there was some uh, some moments, I forget who it was. Uh, it was Dave Cross, I think. Uh, and mm -hmm. he was turning off the visibility of layers in, uh, in a, a whole bunch of them at the same time by just clicking and dragging down all of the different layers. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of slapped myself in the face and I thought, I've been clicking them one at a time. Oh, no, dude. And, <laughs> I didn't know you could click and drag to turn on or off the visibility of layers that way. And so even as, I mean, if you call myself a seasoned professional, there's always those little tips that are so useful when you see somebody else finding their way around the same software. I totally agree. That's why I enjoy watching other folks edit too, because there's always some keyboard shortcut that I didn't know about. Always. Yep. And uh, you could never, you could never know it all. Uh, I, but as an educator too, I mean, there are certain things that uh, I might wish would have a keyboard shortcut uh, or that it would be functioning differently. Like Adobe yeah. just uh, updated uh, Photoshop and a lot of the creative suite recently. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they've turned on by default, and I haven't looked to see if there's a way to turn this back, or maybe I should just adapt to the new wave, uh, is when you click on something, uh, but 
you're intentionally trying to click on something underneath it because you have selected a layer underneath, mm-hmm. it now reverts you to the topmost layer for what you have clicked on by default. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure like if I press like control or alt or some control shift key or whatever, mm-hmm. it won't do that anymore. But now I have to relearn some of those basic fundamentals because if I intentionally know that something is behind something, but I'm on that layer and I'm dragging it to a new location to mm-hmm. make it visible again, mm-hmm. I can't do that uh, the way I used to. And maybe I'm just an old man saying, get off my lawn at this point, but stop changing what really isn't broken. Well, uh, and see, that's the thing. You and I, we're both quote unquote old men. Well, I'm not old. I'm oldish. <laughs> damn it. But no, I totally get it. And this is one of those things where we're going to have to sort of relearn it because part of me says, you know what? It does make sense for someone that's just getting started and never saw Photoshop. It makes makes perfect sense. But then there's people like us that's been playing around in it for a long time we're having to relearn again and, ha- and be the dog trying to learn new tricks and maybe that's why photoshop has so much baggage is because of people like me i don't know <laughs> but, uh, but but at least give consistency across the brand because uh if i bring up um uh illustrator and mm-hmm. uh so in in photoshop a decision made a while ago is that by default without holding to hold having to hold down the shift key Mm-hmm. Uh, it constrains proportions to whatever you're trying to scale with the yep. move tool. Uh, I remember when they added tool. that and the crowd went wild. And then, <laughs> uh, I mean, previously you would have to hold the shift key down, but then I was holding down the shift key, which now does the opposite. But if I open up <laughs> Illustrator, it's still the old way of doing it. Right. So not holding down the shift key does not constrain proportions and holding it down does. And I just, every time I bring up Illustrator to try and work on a vector graphic, which albeit is not that often, so I don't train my brain on it, Mm -hmm. I end up skewing the proportions because I've learned the new way to do it. Just make it all the same. And I say the same thing about After Effects (laughs) and Premiere because there's a couple keyboard shortcuts in Premiere that I use. And when I jump, jump into After Effects, I'll press the same shortcuts and it's slightly different there's there's still the same functions but it's a different key that i need to press and i'm like oh she's and and talking about uh, premiere and after effects if anybody has an nvidia gpu especially a, a newer one uh there was a driver update this uh, past week uh, yep. go ahead and get that and that will enable better uh video encoding uh in h.264 h.265 uh in adobe media encoder so there's the psa for the day um <laughs> Now, but I do want to get back to a story that we talked about on a previous episode before we get into the new stories, because I was just taken aback by Instagram or rather Facebook as their parent company's decision um, to uh, explicitly state that while they have the ability to sub-license content via an embedded post, if you remember that story, Mm -hmm. um, they don't. Uh, And it was always assumed, it was implied that whenever somebody embedded something from Instagram onto any other website, that the API was granting them a license to do that because uh, the the company was able to grant a license. But that Mm -hmm. does not mean that they do. And uh, so I thought at that time that there's going to be a calamity of stuff. And one from before has come back up. So Mm-hmm. Uh, based on uh, Petapixel, um, a court has reopened the photographer's lawsuit against Mashable over Instagram embedding, which is exactly this thing. The same the, thing. <laughs> the judge had thrown the case out because uh, it was implied by everybody, and the judge even thought so, that Mashable had a license to do it this way. And now that uh, Instagram has stated that no license has ever been granted for any of this use, that case is now reopened. Uh, And it's going to be really interesting to see how this evolves uh, as potential case law. Uh, And and I don't believe you're a lawyer. I know I'm not. Nope. But uh, but this is, I think, again, the tip of the iceberg where you're going to have a lot of cases now. And I'm going to be watching how this one evolves, because if this one falls in favor of the photographer, then this can be pointed at as almost a type of precedent. Um, You know, it's okay. It's the Southern District of New York. You know, it's not like a a federal case or anything, Um, but it's still going to be really important to see where we stand. Yeah, there could still be a trickle down effect with all of this. Exactly. So. Uh, I I looked at that and sort of laughed to myself because a lot of people have all of these mixed emotions about Instagram as far as their photography versus their selfies. 
you know, they, they don't have a problem putting their selfies on there, but they don't want to put that beautiful sunrise landscape that they shot because they're thinking it's going to be stolen. They never think about the other privacy aspects such as, you know, facial recognition and things like that, or, uh, this particular case with the API, because no one is reading any of those terms of services and all of it just turns into a bunch of gibberish to the lay person. And it leads to this, what we have right here with the courts getting involved and they're even trying to figure it out. (laughs) How many terms of service agreements have you ever read in your life? I think I've read three tops. And we probably agree to them almost daily, depending on what That's software correct. you're installing or right. uh, what services you're signing up for. Right. And, uh, and so there's a lot of stuff hidden in there. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the only ones that I really uh, pay attention to are when I'm submitting my photos to photo contests, because oh, yeah. uh, I want to make sure that uh, they have a right to display my image if I win something. Yep. Um, but in some cases, in fact, most, um, that they gain like, absolute right sometimes they claim the copyright to the image in other cases they have just, i've seen that uh, they'll put that in there and they'll also talk about having the right to do manipulation to your image too in a lot well, of well I, I understand if they need to crop it if they want to put them all in a calendar or a book or something and it might not be the same aspect ratio and so they need to have some functionality for that um uh, or to overlay text on top of it in case they mm. want to use it in a banner. Uh, and I get why that's needed, but I understand mm. that I still have to have artistic integrity here. Right, um, right. And I have to be in control of my work to some degree. And so if a contest asks me to uh, basically give away all of my rights based on just submitting something, I write to the contest and I ask them to rewrite their rules. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they do. And then I submit. Uh, yeah. Other times I don't get a response. And then I just don't recommend anybody uh, submit to that contest because they do need rights. If they want to, if they want to showcase a, a short list or mm-hmm. first, second, third, honorable mention type people, and they need to publish that, they need rights to do that. I get it. Um, but the really interesting thing about this Instagram case is that they allow people freely to embed something anywhere for any reason without any real warning, right? Like there's there's no pop-up that says you need permission from uh, the content creator, whether Mm -hmm. it be a photo or a drawing or a video. You need uh, permission from the content creator in order to do this. They don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're depending on their terms of service to illustrate that, but their terms of service say that Instagram is granted from the content creator, this overarching license. That's a do all end all kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't state that they explicitly pass that on to the end user. And like so a sub, uh, as a sub license, exactly. They can, <laughs> but they don't. And, uh, so I'm, I'm going to have to maybe pay more attention to Instagram embeds of my own work. And, and I, put it all on Instagram freely. And if anybody was right. to have uh, misappropriated it through the API, I thought, well, that was maybe a risk I'd have to take. I, I didn't like it, uh, but I didn't think I'd have any legal ground to go against it. Now I do. And uh, if people are egregiously misbehaving with my work, um, mm. I might be able to take them to task on that. You know, I'm sure you know Mr. Scott Bourne, correct? And I know that he is famously fairly litigious with his work. Um, a lot of it he licenses exclusively. So you yeah. have to enforce that exclusive right. he has license, to. right? Yeah. He has to. And I, I remember a week or two ago, maybe in a little bit further back, but he was pretty much thinking, you know what, I might just need to just step away from Instagram altogether because of instances like this happening. And it's just not helping him and keeping his sanity uh, because yeah. he, again, he already has a lot of work to do just keeping up with this beautiful bird photography and those exclusive exclusive license. And then you throw this into the mix. Good grief. Well, and you've given me the perfect segue because there is something that I'm sure is hurting Scott Bourne's sanity right now. And that is our first story of the week because Scott is uh, he's an ambassador for the Olympus brand. Yes, yes, um, yes. And uh, or at least he was or he's in purgatory right now. He still uh, not is. Sure. Uh, he still is, but um, uh, reported on DP Review, but really everywhere on the internet, uh, mm-hmm. Olympus agrees to sell its imaging business by the end of the year. Um, 
Now, Olympus has been in hot water a little bit. There was some financial scandal stuff, and yep. uh, they kind of got some bailout money from Sony to keep them afloat. The camera industry right now for anybody is not hot. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely um, in a bit of a trench based on uh, the global pandemic and consumer spending trends as a result of that. But it was starting even before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was always of the mind that, when we have the next great revolutionary uh, camera sensors and technology, people will have that need to upgrade and we'll have a resurgence, especially as the new mirrorless platforms mature. Um, but Olympus didn't go to a new fuller frame mirrorless platform. They stuck with Micro Four Thirds, which is a very viable platform. Right. Don't get it's, me wrong. The, it, I, it's their I, thing, though. That's their brand, you know, on the camera is. side of things anyway. Exactly. And and I think that they've done, uh, they helped kind of raise all ships in that field. Uh, you know, that rising tide of, of the, just all of the really great research and development, especially what they put in the EM1X, um, was really groundbreaking stuff, the handheld multi-shot mode and, and so much more. But uh, they've decided to basically call it quits. And uh, they are uh, they are selling the uh, the imaging division to Japan Industrial Partners, uh, which is uh, basically an investment firm, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and they uh, they're going to be the ownership of of this new division of uh, um, of I guess their company from uh, Olympus. Mm-hmm. And there's not a whole lot of details right now. But what were you able to glean out of this press release? Well, my first reaction was, man, it seems like it was, I think it was November 2019 or December 2019 when the rumors started swirling around. Yep. And then the stories immediately after that turned to, we've been around for a hundred years. We're not going anywhere with our cameras and things like that, you know? So I just put it, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. And then when this story dropped, I immediately thought of Mr. Bourne and, (laughs) <laughs> he's been quite passionate about this news breaking uh, because uh, I believe he said it flat out. It's not going anywhere. These cameras are not going anywhere. Uh, we will have more cameras. Uh, if I want to say I even saw him on, put it on his personal Twitter page too of, Hey, internet, stop being so stupid. <laughs> well, and, and th- like, it doesn't just go away. It's not like they're folding it. They, they've sold it to another company right. that is uh, basically interested in the investment opportunity that it represents, which means they need a return on that investment, which means it has to maintain profitability in some way. And usually this kind of an investment is a long-term one. Mm-hmm. Um it reminds me of uh, the partnership that uh, Panasonic had with Tower Jazz um, that they sold on. Uh, and Tower Jazz makes sensors that Panasonic uses in their cameras. And I think that Olympus, they've got a great medical imaging uh, and, and medical right. division as well that will probably be tightly linked to this talking back and forth and, and buying material from the imaging division now as an outsourced uh, entity. Uh, and so there, there's the revenue from all streams that you would have otherwise expected. What I found really interesting in this press release, though, mm. is because the cameras aren't going away, but their names might be changing. Because see, that one- was that, that's what confused me, because part of me was thinking it was going to be more of a, OK, you can just buy this and just keep our name for Brandon's sake. And, you know, you can do the R&D or whatever, because a lot of companies will buy a brand, if you will, because there's, there's value in that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in one line here, it says, um, uh, by adding support from JIP, the new company, mm-hmm. um, uh, as the successor of reputable brands such as OMD and Zuiko, uh, will utilize the innovative technology and unique product development capabilities which have been developed within Olympus, et cetera, et cetera. But the successor of reputable brands, uh, that means that it's not those brands. Mm-hmm. It's other brands other than OMD and Zuiko. So uh, they don't state that Olympus is not one of those. But if everything else associated with the camera uh, in terms of its uh, its name for the camera bodies and the lenses, if that can't be used, I don't know if the Olympus name would be used either, right? Why would you right. cancel out the two most important ones and leave the other third most important one? Yeah, it did. <laughs> I don't know. It's still so, mm, so confusing. And then, okay, Japan Industrial Partners is not a really good camera brand name, right? So uh, are they going to come up with something from scratch or are they going to resurrect a formerly dead camera brand? 
um, and do a far better job than the Yashica Y35. Hmm. Only time will tell, but we won't be able to see anything until 2021 at the very least, right? Exactly. They say that the closing uh, of this is they're going to strive to close the transaction by December 31st of this year. So, uh, and I'm sure some details will trickle in uh, Mm -hmm. based on that. Uh, What I hope actually, uh, because we can speculate about this, is Mm -hmm. that Olympus um, may have been in some ways stagnating and other ways being inventive, but they might have needed a new direction. Or maybe these investors are thinking that because they want to get a return on that. I'm not saying that that changes what they already have, but how could they improve things farther? And it could be adopting a second uh, an, a second format, right? To have either a uh, a larger uh, format sensor, APS-C full frame, medium format, or smaller, smaller, uh, yeah. and uh, and go into something. I'm not saying like akin to the Nikon One, but mobile platforms and that that range of camera devices that's huge. Uh, I mean, that's maybe they could somehow brand their optics uh, or or their technology and license patents for mobile platforms. There's a lot of possibilities to go either way within that. And I like that idea reach. of the the mobile side that 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 could be pretty lucrative considering you know everybody gets a smartphone whether they want to or not. Uh, it's just one of those things. So you could really get a big piece of the pie the same way Sony is doing it. Just, you know, uh, making money with their with their eyes closed every month. <laughs> well, this <laughs> is know? true. Uh, I mean, and Sony has their whole smartphone line. Uh, Panasonic tried that. They, they did a Lumix branded smartphone that did not do very well at all. Um, and so that right. did flop for them. But the technology continues to evolve with smartphones and we'll see in a later story exactly what that might be in, uh, in future phones. And the Sony Um, phone, the Sony phones aren't particularly doing well either. They're, they're still just sort of out there, but they're making all of their chops being inside of other phones, the sensors being inside of other phones. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, The, the uh, Sony Xperia one, as well as some other smartphones had uh, this crazy like 940 or 960 frames per second slow-mo mode. They actually took that out of the Xperia 2 and, um, and, uh, or the Xperia 1 2, however they're naming those things these days. Um, And that was uh, a bit uh, frustrating to people that really like that feature. Although, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a gimmick, but still don't take things away when you continue to evolve. Well, they only only disappointed about 10 people, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was one of those. No, I didn't own the original, but uh, <laughs> I'm disappointed that I don't have a red hydrogen too. Okay. Oh, man. Because I, I, I have the hydrogen <laughs> and I love this phone and I need to replace it with something that's equally quirky and fun. I um, totally forgot about that phone. So that- there are a lot of people that try to get into the mobile space and fail. Yeah. Uh, so that's not a for sure thing, even True. if you have a, a pedigree uh, of, of high standards in the mm-hmm. camera industry. And so red is a great example of that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I, I expected so much more out of that. I remember getting my hands on one and playing with it for, you know, a couple of hours, but it just didn't really do anything for me. And it was they needed sort of, a second gen. They, they needed to cross that threshold and get a second generation product out that mm-hmm. made the screen better, the processor better, uh, that uh, had a, an even greater stereoscopic effect that was actually yeah. useful and interesting to people. Yeah. It got halfway there and it did it better than anything else, but not right. good enough to really break the market through. So, right. um, uh, but yeah, so I, what will Olympus do? Maybe Olympus will come out with another 3D lens. Uh, unlikely. Um, right. I, I have the Lumix 12.5 millimeter micro four thirds 3D lens, which you could pick up for very, very cheap on eBay, by the way. Nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, and have, have some fun with that as just a little side project. But uh, the reason why it's so cheap is because it was also a failure. So a lot of these risks mm-hmm. uh, don't necessarily come with a reward. And to get that return on an investment, they might just have to play it safe and keep the status quo uh, with a couple of kind of skunk work projects off on the side just to see uh, what ripples the water the right way. Yeah, I'm curious to hear Mr. Bourne's uh, podcast next week because uh, I know it's going to come up. Uh, yeah, he, he can't uh, ignore that. Right. That's, I, uh, I saw his tweet, one of his tweets, and it's, it's, it's a little more calm. It says, Olympus... No plans to change product launches in 2020. Products have I been announced and under develop will be introduced to the market as planned. Olympus will continue business as usual. 
The camera business is not being shut down. I cannot state that any more plainly. But again, that's 2020 talk too. You know. Well, and that's that's the current rhetoric that is, uh, you know, public based on the press release and, and all knowledge. Mm-hmm. I know that when I sign a non-disclosure agreement for certain things, I can't mention anything within that. Um, mm-hmm. I can just talk about what's publicly known. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so when a new product is being announced that I have inside knowledge on, I can't let out a peep about it whatsoever. Right. Um, until I'm allowed to, and then I can uh, usually get really excited about it uh, publicly. Right. And so I, I hope that Scott's in that same boat where he he's just kind of holding the line right now because mm-hmm. that's all he can do. Uh, and then we're going to have some great, new, interesting, exciting things to talk about um, what will become of the company formerly known as Olympus Cameras. Indeed. Yeah. So uh, not much more to say about that because the press release is pretty dry. All there is to say is that it won't be using the standard brands that Olympus has used all this time. uh, And we don't know what the next stage of that's going to be. But time marches on. And so too does this podcast. And talking about announcements (laughs) during this pandemic time, we've had almost none. Uh, aside from some indie companies, but there's a new camera coming out from Panasonic, uh, the Lumix DC G100, also called the G110 in certain areas. Um, and this is kind of an interesting beast because uh, it's aimed at vloggers, uh, video bloggers, which I guess is a popular thing. Uh, it's yep. another word of YouTubers, uh, you know, people uh, such as yourself. Uh, and I mean, I do a, a, a number of things that uh, that end up with my face in front of a camera. But um, I've got a similar camera to this, the, uh, the Lumix GX9. And while mm-hmm. I love it, it's kind of hard to use it as a production work camera because, well, namely, it doesn't have uh, a microphone in port which I think would be kind of quintessential to making yeah. this work, no matter how good the built-in camera is, right. you know, clip a lapel oh. on your shirt and you sound so much better. Audio matters, man. Audio matters. <laughs> Audio matters. And so a tiny camera um, with a, a very simple light kit lens. I think it's the 12 to 32 millimeter kit lens, which I've used and I've loved. I've traveled with. Yep. Um, but do you think that this camera really has a place for people right now, I, I, I mean, especially right now in this pandemic, are people looking to upgrade their kit to do better work? Uh, people are upgrading their webcams and there's a big run on all of that uh, uh, work from home type of stuff. Is, is this in the same category? I'm going to be the oddball and say, yeah, I think this is because just like you said, people are wanting to, to try to step their game up at home from the working at home standpoint. But there is that group of people that are trying to learn something new, start something new. And photography is one of those things. Uh, That's a great angle. And I wasn't thinking about that because there's a lot of people at home that don't have a job to go back to. Um, Well, even if you have a job, you know, we're blessed enough to be able to work from home every single day as creators, you know, but I try to tell my audience that, look, I know some of you have your morning commutes and your afternoon commutes. And let's just say on an average, it is uh, an hour, you know, 30 minutes to work and 30 minutes back. So that's an hour out of your day that's just stuck in the car. So now let's multiply that by five days. So that's five hours out of the week that you've been stuck in the car. Now let's multiply that by, say, four weeks. You know, so you have all of these extra hours you assume <laughs> you assume that people are going to use those hours productively. You could. Uh, <laughs> you could. Why not? You got more time. And not time. just lay on the couch shirtless eating potato <laughs> chips, right? I mean, because <laughs> how many people are going to do that instead? But you're right. There is the, the go-getters out there. That, take the uh, time. I don't care if it's jumping on trying to learn a new language. I don't care if it's picking up a, a pen and learning to draw or picking up your, your smartphone to learn photography. Just just take the advantage. And I think people are now really trying to jump into it and take advantage of it. I've, I was just on Amazon a couple hours ago because there's a couple more supplies that I need to get. Um, and I always hop between Adorama and Amazon, depending upon shipping. And it seems like everything I was looking for was out of stock. Hmm. That never happens. You know, it's, it's not in the yeah. photography space. Exactly. I was trying to buy a card reader, um, a CF Express card reader the other day. Right. And uh, because they were just kind of coming onto the market before uh, things started locking down, mm-hmm. I, I guess uh, a lot of the manufacturing had been slowed down. Yeah, and, you have that. Uh, 
Uh, and I, I had one on pre-order from B&H for like two months and it just never arrived. So I canceled the order and I got something that they had in stock, a, mm -hmm. a Sony one somewhere. Yeah. Sony that'll do XQD and, and CF Express. Um, but you know, yeah, so some stuff just didn't show up. And yeah. uh, I was kind of left wondering, well, I mean, uh, the, the orders are there. The, the company's got to be in business somehow. Somehow. Um, <laughs> Uh, I thought uh, about it and I'm thinking, okay, so maybe production is slowing down from the manufacturers creating their, their widgets, if you will, but mm -hmm. people are buying it, you know, yeah. the, the people are buying stuff and photographers, yeah, there are going to be some consumables that we'll buy over and over, but, uh, I shouldn't have to buy 20 nights, uh, 20 light stands, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> a light stand should be pretty easy to find nowadays because photographers don't buy a ton of of light stands, but, but, but then again, if they do exhaust the supply because everybody bought them to light their home studio, uh, to make themselves look good, then the manufacturing ramp up for that. Typically I would assume that there is a long lead time on something like a light stand because it's mm -hmm. not technologically advanced in the sense that you need to push right. out new ones every year. Right. Um, so when a company places an order, it doesn't get air freight shipped to the U S it goes on okay. a boat. Yeah, uh, and so that that could uh, be some extra time there. But mm. uh, with this with this new camera, uh, it's helpful to state what it costs and mm -hmm. what exactly it's all about. So, uh, seven forty nine US is the price for the camera and the kit lens. Again, it's it's a kit lens and it's a cheap kit lens in terms of price, right. but it's a very good one, and I've I've used it regularly. Uh, or and this is kind of novel. They've added a selfie grip that actually has camera controls on the grip itself. Um, and you can get that for 50 bucks more in the bundle for $7.99, which I think would be appealing to a good number of people. That's not a huge bump in price. For I love uh, that extra. idea. Sony yeah. has done the same thing with their uh, latest vlogger camera, putting those controls on a stick like that. Um, and the pricing of this, this Lumix is that's totally fair for everything that's mentioned in the specs with 20, yeah, 20 megapixels. megapixels, which is about standard for pretty much everything in the micro yeah. four third space right now. I'm curious why we haven't even seen a jump to 24 megapixels on M uh, any camera bodies, but I guess that mm. goes to the manufacturers of the sensors like Sony and, and others right. uh, that make that, that haven't made that push yet. Um, but a fully articulating LCD screen, which my little GX9 does not have. It'll bend and flip a little bit, but it won't come back around front, uh, mm -hmm. which I think I, would be a really helpful tool for exactly what this camera's trying to be. I get a lot of grief because uh, I'm, uh, I love Canon, and I love the Canon 6D Mark II more so than I like the 5D Mark IV because of the very screen. I'm yeah. able to flip that screen around. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm 6'2". Uh, far as my height goes or whatever. So a lot of times I, I do enjoy shooting lower angle screen, uh, lower angle frames and having that extra flip out screen just makes that so much easier for me and without having to crouch down or lie down on the ground. And so I could see how I'm framing things up. So yeah, that's a game changer right there. Yes. I, you, you know, <laughs> I've, I've had my hands on, uh, and I have in my studio, the, uh, the Lumix S one H and S one R. Ooh, and the S. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, and the, the S one R is like the best stills camera I've ever used. And I graduated from a one DX Mark two. And yeah. so that's saying something for what I want in those cameras. Yes. The frame rates not as high, but I've right. never needed it for that feature. Right. Uh, it was all about image quality for me. Uh, right. But it only has a screen that tilts and it can tilt down and I can tilt it up and uh, and kind of off to the side a little bit, but it's not fully articulating. Mm -hmm. um, but the S one H is a bulkier body. They even put a fan in it to cool it, to do yeah. all the video stuff that it does. Yeah. And all with that, that extra bulk, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've, uh, I, I've got uh, beta firmware for the ProRes raw, mm -hmm. um, but I'm waiting until they, they get a couple of bugs worked out of that before I start using the ProRes for production work. Yeah. Um, but it has the articulating screen mm -hmm. and I don't mind the camera body being bigger. If it gives me that, uh, if I get a couple of extra ounces in my hand because it has to build out the camera body to be, uh, you know, just a bit beefier, mm -hmm. but it gives me that, um, mm -hmm especially for video. I think that you can't do video without it, uh, especially if you're filming yourself, which yep. I'm going to have to do. I've got some DP review TV videos that I've got queued up. Uh, one of them I was shooting B roll for earlier today mm -hmm. and hopefully the a roll is all done tomorrow. But 
Um, yeah, video is a big thing and it's becoming bigger and bigger, especially as we're not communicating in person. And I think that this is a really well-timed uh, development from Panasonic here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Again, I think a lot of this free time people have, um, people are going to take advantage of it and, and get a little more creative. And, and if they have the funds, they can order things like this and just step their game up, if you will, to go from the smartphone camera, you know, which isn't a terrible camera, but that right there is going to be a lot better from the folks at Lumis. Oh, absolutely. Panasonic. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, and there's competition in that space, obviously. I mean, Sony mm-hmm. has theirs. Um, the ZV-1, I think they announced it. Um, I couldn't remember uh, if well, it was the V100 or the V1. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, well, and I don't have, I, I wish I was a human Wikipedia, but yes, they've got a new camera that competes exactly in the same space and, and do your uh, due diligence, compare them, see what specs mean the most to you. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, third story, we were talking about mobile and some advancements in that space. And so O-Film, O-Film. Mm-hmm. demonstrates, uh, and this is from DP Review, uh, demonstrates a smartphone camera module with an 85 to 170 millimeter equivalent uh, optical zoom, which typically zoom has been really hard in smartphones because yeah. it either makes a gigantic bulge on the back of the camera uh, or on, on the phone uh, or you kind of jump because you put multiple uh, different sets of sensors and optics with different capabilities. If you want to zoom in, then you actually switch cameras to one that has uh, a longer focal length because it's really hard to build that zoom functionality within that. Right. Because you're only working with about four millimeters of space. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But what if you changed your design a little bit more radically and put the lens sideways with a prism? And Samsung showed this off, I can't remember if it was earlier this year or late last year, but in the recent past. uh, And now there's new companies coming up and saying, hey, you know, we can play that game too. Uh, There's, I guess, freedom to redesign these things around existing patents from upstart companies. Mm -hmm. And and now in 35 millimeter equivalency, uh, you could get a module that could find its way into future phones. Um, that is an 85 to 170. So that's about a three times zoom range um, in, in your phone. Now, is this something that we've been missing? This is the key for me. Because if somebody's using their phone and they want to zoom in, I think most people have been fine to just switch to a different sensor. And, okay, you you don't get the gradual constant zoom range, but mm-hmm. you want to get closer, then you, you've got the, uh, the uh, longer focal length camera. Mm-hmm. Have people been clamoring for this? Is this something that uh, people are going to be out and, uh, and kind of just begging their technology manufacturers to, to provide in the next product? I, I, it's just... I, it, it seems like a solution that didn't really have a problem or that the existing solutions were fine. It's one of those no and yes questions. Um, no, no one's been clamoring for that, but there are those few times when someone's in that concert hall and they want to get that better view of the performer on stage so they can share it on social. And the first thing they do is try to zoom and it looks like, I don't know, four pixels on their full screen. <laughs> but that's why you would have a phone with multiple cameras and it would just right. jump to the longer focal length one. And you wouldn't need to have the gradual variation in focal length mm-hmm. because that's not you're not going to want to zoom in uh, 10% for your artistic integrity. Right. You know, uh, it's, it's not exactly the fine tunedness that you would be looking for in a smartphone. Yeah. And so the current solution is just throw on another camera with a different focal length and then mm-hmm. when you pinch and you zoom it switches to that it other camera over. yeah and uh then you have your uh your better image but um i think I, that sorry what's that i i still think it's 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 a yes and a no kind of thing for the most part no but i say yes because at least on the smartphone side of things the level of innovation has pretty much come to us to a stalemate uh, it's not much more we're able to do from a hardware standpoint with these uh, candy bar size, uh, candy bar size uh, smartphones. It's just not there. So that's why you have so much computational photography going on and trying to make things pop a little bit more for the average consumer. Yeah. So I say, yeah, on we do want this because it's cool to see some sort of innovation 
uh, on the hardware design or industrial design side of things. Uh, I do have a concern, though. Let's say this thing is properly implemented. Um, you know, we have a lot of the, the distortion on the smartphone lenses with, you know, especially the wide angle lenses. It's just incredibly dis- distorted. I wonder how would that be handled in a in a module like this? Is it is that distortion going to finally be minimized and make things look a lot more natural? Because typically with those longer lenses, we do get much better compression. I mean, uh, do you think this is something from a physics standpoint uh, as possible on such a small scale like this. Yeah. Well, you have more space because the entire lens apparatus is horizontal, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's running along the length of the phone. Um, however long you want that to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, what's interesting is the prism that's designed to bend the light 90 degrees is also the optical image stabilizer. Um, which could potentially yeah, lend to better image stabilization, or you could also add image stabilization in the sensor or the main optics and have like a tri system, uh, three different elements of image stabilization all acting together. And so there could be some improvements there. Um, it, I think that the three X range that we're dealing with right now, um, I, I don't think that's enough. I think that we need to have, um, a, what I say, maybe a, I don't want to say as much as 10x, but I think it might take that much before people really pay attention. And it really wows people to say, look what I can get out of my phone. Mm-hmm. And it might even be that the phone, I could imagine this is like a wedge shape. Like it's a triangular kind of design where one side of it is thicker than the other. Okay. Because all of the optics are in that thicker wedge running mm-hmm. all along the entire side of uh of the phone until you get to well maybe not the entire way but you get my point um but you'd have much bigger space and i don't think people are going to be upset if their phone has a wedge shape to it right especially if it's tastefully designed and i'm not saying something that's got like a 45 degree angle you know know, it's not like that but something that was just a slight wedge i could totally see that i mean we we tolerate camera bumps on the phones now so why not yeah, and, and if you make that wedge, you can make the back completely flat. Flat. <laughs> um, and so you wouldn't have the camera bump anymore. Uh, interesting ideas. I think that there's room to grow with this concept, but right now in its current implementation, I think it's in its mm. infancy. It's, uh, you know, uh, still in diapers. It needs to grow up a little bit, and, and we'll see uh, when, it, when it gets its walking legs uh, <laughs> wh- where it can go. Kudos to so. Ofim, though, for... for- you know, putting this out there into the wild and saying, Hey, we're trying something. Yeah. And, and I hope that somebody implements this because we need just like with the red hydrogen, we need that first generated, a generation product Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily succeed, but we need that to be adapted across the industry so that if it just fails by one manufacturer, it doesn't just fizzle out. We need more people to pick this up and run with it and, Mm -hmm. uh, and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's go into our final story for the day. And this one, uh, <laughs> I was debating whether or not to even talk about this one, because the, I mean, honestly, there's not a whole lot to talk about, but we can stretch it. It mm-hmm. just, just feels like it needs to be mentioned mm-hmm. um, on F-stoppers. Um, wedding couple demands a refund after their photographer expresses support for Black Lives Matter on Instagram. Um, why don't you take it from here, Ant? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's hard for me to be kind after reading this story, though, quite frankly, um, you know, because the listeners of, of Photo Geek Weekly, they may not know that I am a man of color. So I am pretty sensitive about these these types of stories here nowadays. And so the wedding photographer has agreed to the job, but, you know, on their personal side has said, you know what, Black Lives Matter and I stand for it. But yet their business customer says, you know what? We don't like your personal side. We want our money back. We don't want to be associated with you. Because after they've here. signed a contract after that, you've say, signed that, that states a, the deposit's non-refundable. Right. right. After you sign a dadgum contract, you, you have the guts to say, you know what? Nah, we think we'll pass because of your personal side. That's essentially what they said. And I'm not going to call that uh, client a racist or anything like that. But I will just sort of I will question a character because 
from a professional standpoint, that photographer signed the, created the contract and signed off on the contract to do the job and was very well intended to do said job at a high level for you. Why not just uh, leave it at that? Business. You is hired business. the photographer because they looked like they were up to the job. You right. probably met with them in person. You saw their portfolio saw their work. work. Yeah. Um, and you knew what they were capable of and you were happy with what they would uh, be able to deliver to you. Uh, and this is, this is really interesting because, you know, I, I try hard not to discuss politics um, and, uh, and, and similar topics mm-hmm. that are opinionated and personal on this podcast and in other uh, professional public venues mm-hmm. because I have opinions and they might be strong, they might be mild, but whatever they are, I, it's not that I try to keep them to myself. I share mm-hmm. them amongst friends. I don't necessarily associate them with my brand. And it's a really hard thing to do because... Um, as a photographer, I am a one man shop and a lot Mm -hmm. of photographers are, and that means that your brand is your personality. That's right. And, and so it's really hard. Say that one more time. Say that one more time. So your (laughs) listeners can get that because that's so important. It is. Your brand is your personality. It is wholeheartedly. If, if my personality, uh, like if I was just like a a total jerk and arrogant and everything else, I might still get clients. I'm just going to get different clients because they are more in tune with that personality. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that one personality is better than another. I, I just, I mean to say that. Uh, if you are yourself and you're honest with yourself in any business, you will get clients that are like you or should be. But that also doesn't mean that you should, um, like if I, if I was gay and I, I was hired to photograph a, uh, a heterosexual wedding, I'm not going to say no because, you know, I like the same gender and you don't. And, right. and so that's that's definitely not OK. Right. Um, and same thing the other way. If right. the couple says, well, we realized what your sexual orientation was and now we, we're going to find a different photographer. Well, mm-hmm. that, that that's a human rights violation. So that's a different class altogether. But uh, just stating your opinion about what you uh, what you think of racial equality or inequality and and what you might want to be done about that and that personal opinion and I say personal opinion that does in some way affect your brand because your personality is your brand and it's it really is. hard to separate those two they're woven together um, but now okay uh, <laughs> so what happened next I, I think was sort of the best part um, basically, uh, the photographer said, well, I'm sorry, it's not refundable. Um, uh, thank you for your donation to black, uh, black lives matter. That's right. Um, which <laughs> means that the photographer said in a very polite and eloquent way mm-hmm. that, um, they were taking that deposit money and putting it towards the fund that the couple was, uh, was against at which point they say, uh, you know, you'll be hearing from our attorney or something to that effect. Right. Um, they always do say that. <laughs> and okay, I mean that that's w- <laughs> number one, um, if you wanted to keep these people as a client, you could have uh, you could could have offered to say, well, i'm I'm sorry you feel this way. Um, I can put your deposit towards a future portrait shoot uh, or some other thing, but it is non-refundable. Uh, refundable. Um, but um, uh, Shakira Rochelle is the mm-hmm. photographer here. Uh, Shakira Rochelle photography. Uh, I, I would say um, kind of burned a bridge uh, with the client and yeah. said, okay, well, I'm never going to work with you again because yeah. this is what I'm going to do with your deposit. And I'm going to tell you that. Right. I, I think that extra line like to, it doesn't matter whether you did or didn't, but to that client is what ruffled the feathers the most. And so, mm-hmm. yes, when somebody slaps you in the face, you are so inclined to do so back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm more of a mind of just kind of kill them with kindness, right? Just, um, just be as polite as possible until those people with arrogant opinions can't stand you anymore and go away. Yeah. Um, but still standing your ground with what you are legally obligated to do. I think um, she did it fairly gracefully. You know, it, it, she did. it's, it's going to sting the client more so than anything, but she did this fairly gracefully. You hear that, you hear that phrase burning bridges. Most of the time when people are burning bridges, it is totally unintentional because they, they just can't see their own, uh, idiocy at times. And oh, just like the, him. like the photographer who was just basically, uh, bullying, uh, the client that lost his, uh, his fiance, his wife to be, uh, oh, yeah. 
and uh, if you remember that, it, it's recent, um, that even registered domain names to insult the groom after the groom had asked for his money back. And then yeah. the groom did that second step to say, well, can, can I maybe put it towards another shoot? And the photographer was so vitriolic in his response mm-hmm. um, that he should be out of business because right. nobody should I behave agree. that way. But again, that goes back to that statement, Ant. Your personality is your brand. That's right. And and that guy was a vitriolic words <laughs> I don't want to say on this podcast. Uh, but th- if that comes through, then that comes through in his brand and that ruins him for it. So uh, I, you know, I give props to uh, Shakira here. And if you read the comments, man, they're just, they reveal the hatred in the world uh, yeah. in some of these posts. It's really terrifying to see, especially on the Facebook and, and yep. other uh, larger platforms. And people were calling out saying that this is totally faked and so on and so forth. Well, yeah. we can't prove or disprove that. We can just understand that this, let's just pretend this happened because it right. very much looked like it did. Right. Let's, um, let's say it happened. How, how are we as human beings are going to react to a situation like this? Let's just say this is an essay. Okay. Yeah. Let's just say that. What, what so would you read do? Say, how are you going to react to this? And I'm thinking, I'm pretty much along the lines of Miss Rochelle here. Uh, I'm going to say, you know what? No, it's not refundable. Um, sorry, you feel that way, but it's not refundable. And I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. I probably wouldn't have said I'm going to make the donation in their name or anything like that. But I would have just left it at that. Until they oh, wouldn't came it be afterwards. worse if she actually made the donation in their name? They don't state that. Right. She just says, thank you for the donation. But then they get like a charitable receipt in the mail for that amount. Uh, <laughs> Salt in the wounds. <laughs> you know, uh, but again, uh, what, what, when I first started commenting on this, I made sure that I said, I'm not calling that client a racist because that doesn't sound like a racist remark. That just sounds like a problem with just human civil being a civil person in general and if you look down in the comments which i typically don't anymore on fstoppers.com because their (laughs) comments are really bad they're like youtube level bad um i saw a couple of times in there someone saying racist this racist that and finally one of the commenters stepped up and said hey stop throwing that word out there it it probably has nothing to do with racism you know because i could tell you firsthand Mr. Don, I know racism. <laughs> you do, my friend. And, I know racism. I, <laughs> I, I, I can I can say that I've seen it from the nosebleeds at a stadium, uh, yeah. but I haven't been up front and center to it because right. I'm white. Right. And I, I mean, I haven't been dishing it out. Thankfully, I was raised well enough and, right. and uh, I, I know exactly, um, you know, how to treat my fellow human beings regardless yeah. of their gender, sexuality, skin color, etc. Right. Um, but... Uh, not all people grew up like me mm-hmm. and I grew up with white privilege cause I'm white. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody white has it. Uh, right. you can't avoid that. And it becomes an issue for me because now I feel like I've gotten some sort of advantage over it and I'm not okay with that. But, right. but when, but when you see people voicing their opinions and somebody has a different opinion and says, well, I don't, I don't feel like I'm aligned with you anymore. Mm-hmm. That might have nothing to do with racism. That exactly. Could be, that could be exactly. politics. It could be religion. It could be so many different things. And unless you get in the, uh, inside the head of everybody and like do a documentary film on them to understand mm-hmm. them properly, uh, <laughs> right. you're, you're probably not going to get down to the final end of it. And mm-hmm. you can spout off all you want about it. But at the end of the day, how do you handle a client that doesn't agree with you, wants to basically fire you uh, based on your personality no longer being the brand that they want to be behind? Mm-hmm. And I think they handled it well. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos yeah. to you, Mr. Shell. Kudos uh, to you. Yeah. And so there you go. And, you know, the, the deposit wasn't big it was 160 bucks no right uh and i mean that's it's not yes it's a whole lot of money but for a wedding photographer i'm sitting quite honestly i'm wondering how much was the whole shoot if the deposit is only 160 dollars i'm concerned for (laughs) and i think i paid four or five thousand dollars for my wedding photographer and i don't remember what the deposit was but it wasn't 160 bucks oh man uh, so anyhow, uh, that money has gone to the NAACP, which I've also donated some money to in the past. Yeah, so there you stuff. go. 
Um, all right. Well, that ends our stories. And uh, and thanks for being here through all of that. Uh, and your opinions have been great uh, every step of the way. And where can people find more of those wonderful, illustrious opinions of yours? <laughs> you can find me over on the Twit Network. Just go to twit.tv slash hop, which is short for hands-on photography. That's twit.tv slash hop for hands-on photography, as well as my other show. If you're interested in getting a better grip on your personal wellness, that's twit.tv slash how for hands-on wellness. I, I think we all need to be healthier. Especially, have to right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, right now I'm leading a relatively sedentary lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. uh, aside from when my daughter turns me into a butterfly and I have to flap around the house pretending to be a butterfly for five <laughs> Cardio, minutes. baby, cardio. Ca- there you go. <laughs> that, that works. <laughs> I should not complain about that. Um, but so, yeah, and uh, that, that's uh, uh, going to lead into uh, the picks of the week here. But the links to all of uh, the stories, the picks, and where you can find Ant uh, will be on the show notes at photogeekweekly.com. Uh, and check that out. Comment on the stories, uh, the mm-hmm. conversations that you've heard here, and understand that uh, those comments are always uh, well-received. If Even if you don't agree with what we're saying mm-hmm. uh, at any point in the conversation, please keep that conversation going. Uh, be civil about it mind you Civil. don't tr- don't turn into f-stoppers or youtube type comments um <laughs> that's uh that shows the underbelly of society but oh man i uh, feel for that site is it they do they do good work over there but man their comment section is just uh, I, you know i i don't know you just kind of attract a community that kind of grows <laughs> and feeds itself yeah and it's like <laughs> trolls now feeding trolls and it's like they that's where they get their energy from and uh anyhow so, uh, hands-on tech and, uh, uh, hands-on photography and hands-on wellness. And I mentioned hands-on tech because, uh, your pick of the week, um, mm-hmm. uh, you sent me a link specifically to hands-on tech mm-hmm. and, uh, that brings me to what do you got for us? What do you want us to check out here? This is the, my pick of the week is the tour box and Mr. Don, I don't know about you, but when I'm going through Instagram, I'll see some random ads, you know, typically based on content creator stuff because it know the algorithm knows the type of person that I am. Mm-hmm. And most of those ads are just so funny and so bad. And I just, you know, I just sort of laugh at them and flip on through. Well, this tour box showed up on one of my ads and I had to look at it. Uh because I've used the loop deck in the past uh, yep. and I've used the loop deck plus. And when I saw this tour box, I was like, ah, she's, and it's only $170 or something like that. Why not? This, this, this has to be worth the look. And so I reached out to them and they said, yeah, you could do a review or whatever. And I said, okay, great. And I was pleasantly surprised by how good that thing works. It, it looks like a video game joystick. Right. From, it looks like so the Super Nintendo era. <laughs> Uh, that they were just trying to overachieve so that you could play Contra a little better or something. Uh, Perfect description. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect description. You know, but the whole premise of it is you use just one hand to go through your post-processing in Photoshop and Lightroom. And I got to tell you, it's legit. It, It really works nicely, even with someone that has large hands like myself. Um, so yeah, that that's yeah, tour box. It's it's pretty slow. So I, I want to describe <laughs> this. You, you you got a scroll wheel uh, in the upper left, a jog wheel in the lower left. You've got mm-hmm. a D pad in the lower center. What looks like a uh, a joystick right in the middle, uh, an assortment that's of an, buttons off on the different sides. Right? Mm-hmm. The the joystick that you see in the middle is actually another scroll wheel, or it's more like uh, a knob, I should say, a knob. Okay, so it it, uh, it just it spins. It doesn't move right. around. Okay. Right, right. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it looks like assuming that all of the different buttons can be customized to features that you use commonly. Exactly. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of tools like this that give you the full layout of everything in Lightroom, and it's like mm-hmm. this like piano type device in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those always look elegant, but it's like how often do I ever change? hue and saturation in Lightroom. I mean, mm-hmm. I usually relegate that to my Photoshop polishing workflow part of things. And uh-huh. if, if I'm just doing the basic adjustments, you know, everything uh, in the top couple of panels, mm-hmm. um, that's all I really use Lightroom for. Mm-hmm. And if I can customize this to Lightroom and maybe other software too, I'm not sure if it's just compatible with Lightroom. You can you can customize it for Capture One, uh, Premiere Pro, 
and it's a couple other apps in there. Uh, Final Cut, but I've only got it set for for Photoshop and Lightroom, and I tried to get it set for Premiere Pro, but I didn't really get enough time to spend with it and customize it out. But they do have some presets on the website. Uh, I think it's tourbots.tech where you can download some of their presets. Tourbots.tech.com where you can download their presets for the different apps because, like I said, out of the box, it's automatically ready for Photoshop in Lightroom. Yeah, I'm seeing Luminar GIMP if you're a Linux user and you want something customizable there. It means that they've got Linux drivers. That's nice. Yeah, it's really nice. It's way better than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Cool. No, that's great. Uh, Thanks for that pick. I'm going to have to check them out because... I'm all about efficiencies in my workflow. Mm-hmm. I, I, I need to do things faster. I d- I'm not cutting corners. I need to do the, the same thing with the same acuity right. uh, in a faster way. And, you know, and uh, I've and actually... See, to, tools that, like that, like the, the Loop Deck. I have the Loop Deck Plus. I, I did a review of the Loop Deck original one, and it didn't really do anything for me. And when the Loop Deck Plus came out, it had some additional features to work with the other apps, you know, Premiere Pro and Photoshop and stuff like that. And it still didn't have much of a use for me inside of Lightroom and Photoshop. But for Premiere Pro, that thing is great for color grading. And the Loop Deck Plus, I mean, it's big. Like I mentioned, it's like a a keyboard keyboard. in front of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's $330. And I don't have room on my desk for that and my keyboard and every other gadget that I already have. It takes mm-hmm. up a lot of desk real it estate. It does. I only uh, pull mine out for certain certain times. <laughs> yeah, well, if it's not going to be part of the regular <clears throat> workflow, it's not going to be used, mm-hmm. you know, uh, un- unless there's some massive editing thing that requires just that. But then if mm-hmm. I'm not using it all the time, I have to relearn it. And it's not, <laughs> it's just, it's not going to work. Uh, yeah. So this tour box is much more compact. It's one hand operatable, which means it's not much bigger than sort of a number pad and arrow key area. Yeah, it's on about the size here. of a keyboard number pad. It's about the size of that. Yeah. So cool. Awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, I've got that queued up right here. Um, and my pick is something that it's definitely not going to appeal to everybody, but I love mm-hmm. that the niche things. A few years ago, I built an ultraviolet, uh, sorry, um, uh, an infrared flashlight. I love flashlights and I like extra spectrum photography. I mean, really, uh, how many times do you mention flashlights on this show, man? <laughs> uh, uh, it's going to keep coming because there's still more weird tech. And the reason why I never recommended the one that I made mm-hmm. is the manufacturer that makes the diode in this. There's a little drop-in module. Uh, you could buy a case for it and put it all together. It's not mm-hmm. really DIY, but you had to buy the pieces separately. You mm-hmm. stopped making the drop-in module. Uh-oh. So I couldn't recommend it because nobody could buy it. Um, but I got an email uh, a couple of weeks ago from Kalari Vision. And uh, they make uh, infrared and ultraviolet filters and camera modifications, much in the way that LifePixel does. Um, and they started selling infrared and ultraviolet flashlights. And I bought one of both. Now, uh, I got to say right off the top, do not buy their ultraviolet flashlight. <laughs> better options for the same price it bleeds a lot of visible light don't like it their infrared flashlight on the other hand works swimmingly well um Mm. it emits almost no visible light actually if i turn it on the camera here you'll probably see and uh, of course i'm not recording the video you'll see the light here i don't see anything coming out of this because my camera my logitech webcam bleeds ultra uh infrared light right and so uh it has a pretty good output that why why would you need an infrared flashlight. Well, imagine this. Imagine you're out with a beautiful starry landscape around you in a wooded clearing, and you want to light paint the trees around you to make them glow against the stars in Mm -hmm. infrared. Mm -hmm. Um, You need one of these to do exactly that. Now, that is a really small niche of uh, of areas for you to explore. Um, but I'm sure you could find others. There's oh, lots you of could ideas. Do so much more than just landscape with that. Just like you said, pretty much any, any type of night shot, even if it's, uh, uh, wanting to highlight a car in the neighborhood or something like that. Like if you want to yeah, do in infrared, you know, yeah, an infrared camera can do really wonderful things. And, uh, yeah, there's the typical, you know, glowing foliage and that's great. Mm-hmm. But, uh, what if you wanted to like truly amp up a, uh, a game cam, right. Mm. Uh, and give more, uh, uh, more juice to its, its light output in infrared. I mean, get a couple of these, uh, there's lots of other infrared lights too, 
um, but this one is light, portable, simple, mm-hmm. and its light output is um, actually I don't know. I don't think I've got a battery in this one. No, there's no battery. I, I would show you the difference. The one that I bought previously was actually too bright. Mm-hmm. And even if I just turned it on and squiggled it super fast across the landscape, it would be overpoweringly illuminating the trees uh, wow. based. So it was actually too bright. And I, for the time that I had used it, and I didn't even really like the images for it, I ended up reaching into my camera bag and taping a neutral density filter uh, over uh, the infrared <laughs> Just to uh, tone it down. <laughs> just to tone it down. <laughs> wow. But the but the infrared filter that I was using uh, was transparent in infrared. <laughs> uh, so it didn't do anything. Whoops. And I, I just, just, all right, let's just pack this up and go home. Uh, but this new one is actually good for that kind of stuff. And, now and what's it, the price good, point on this? You didn't mention uh, it. The, the price point is, uh, what is it here? I've got this, uh, why is it not showing me the price on the website? If I hit the add to cart button, it's $19.99, 20 bucks. Outstanding. And it's adjustable. So it's got a little zoom function that uh, uh, I can pull this out and it'll kind of change how spread out the light is, which the mm-hmm. one that I had previously did not do. Oh, uh, man. If you've got an infrared camera and you want to play with it in new ways, 20 bucks. Uh, go out and get yourself a Kalari invisible infrared flashlight. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And hey, man, the flashlight picks are going to keep on coming. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not done with flashlights. I mean, I'm done for now. I don't have any new I, ones. To I laugh because I'm thinking back, you know, because again, I, I, I listen to your show. So I know you've mentioned flashlights on this show. And I'm like, <laughs> boy, he really loves his flashlights. But then I think about it. Well, you got to think about what he shoots. It makes perfect sense. So, yeah. well, and uh, and I'm just a geek of all things technology. If I can get like four thousand lumens in my hand, regardless of what I can do about it, the it's power. A, it's a power trip, you know. <laughs> I'm brighter than the sun. No, uh, but it's. <laughs> It's just fun to play with gear, especially when it's not expensive. That's and right. those little extra bits and pieces of kit that you can add over time will give you new creative ideas. And and I think that oftentimes we're all starved for creative ideas. We might try to replicate the ideas of somebody else. And I've tried that a lot too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do the image that I want to do with that ultraviolet or the uh, infrared flashlight. Mm. And uh, I haven't made it yet either. It's been a few years. If anybody wants to beat me to it, Now's the time. Go buy this flashlight. Take my idea. Uh, pull the rug out from under my feet, and I would be very happy about it. Because you have I time now, I- people do it exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I had a great chat uh, here with you, and it's been fun. And uh, to everybody listening, thank you very much for oh. hanging on through another episode of Photo Geek Weekly. Again, photogeekweekly.com is where you can find the show notes. And just before I sign off, mm-hmm. uh, I do have some uh, workshops, some online stuff coming up. Uh, one with Princeton Photo Workshops, and you can go to uh, princetonphotoworkshop.com and register for a macro photography course that I have starting next week. Beautiful. Uh, I, last time I heard there was four spots open. It's virtual and it's over four weeks and I give people assignments after the lessons and we do photo critiques and it's going to be a ton of fun. That's Um, awesome. And and I should have mentioned that earlier. I just forgot about uh, until right now. I, I talked to them a couple of days ago and there was four spots. There might be fewer. There's only a maximum of 10 uh, for that particular one. So if you're at all interested uh, in picking my brain and, and have me kind of getting inside your head and your images, and that would be a great way to do it, uh, especially over that length of time. Uh, it, usually I cram that all into a day. To space that out two hours uh, a day, once a week for a total of eight hours, plus uh, all the time in between to be creative. I think uh, I think folks uh, would enjoy that. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. All right, guys. Thanks again. Uh, and now, as I've said uh, in the last little while, our slogan has changed from uh, it's time to go out and shoot or get out and shoot. Uh, I honestly and seriously hope that everybody stays safe, that we all uh, sort of respect the health and safety of people around us. Uh, and that we stay in and shoot. Mm-hmm.